Good morning. Good morning. What's happening, everybody? Welcome, all of you, to, to, to DV, to Doral Vineyard. We're so happy you guys are here. Hey, 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 welcome, welcome. It's good to see all those, those beautiful faces. What's happening? I love it. I love it. Miami is so beautiful. We have beautiful people here, and I love looking out at all you guys. You guys are beautiful people. So I'm so glad to see all of you guys, and I want to tell you I love you all as well. Um, it's been a while, at least six days for some of us, so it's been a while. So I, I also want to say how, how privileged and honored to be leading this church that I, I, I feel so privileged because as soon as, you know, even last Sunday, we were hearing about the devastation that was going on around the world and, and people were coming, Pastor, what could we do? And it was, to me, it, was, it just touched me. I got goosebumps as I'm talking about it right now. Just because, you know, we had just gone through something pretty traumatic ourselves here in the city. And, and here we are already wanting to help and looking outward and trying to serve other people. In the Keys, for example, that were in the Naples area, just all over, that were affected by this thing. And so, so how, what can we do, Pastor? How can we help? And, and I'm like, man, I'm going to get back to you. Thank you for wondering. Thanks for asking. Um, and, and, um, and just to give you guys a little update, uh, <coughs> a couple weeks ago, we, we actually collected an offering for the folks at Heart, for the um, people that have been affected by Hurricane Harvey. And I had mentioned to you guys about the relationship I have with a friend of mine over there in, in the Houston area who has a church, and, and Jeff, his name is Jeff, and I was able to FaceTime with him, and, and he was so grateful. We were able to raise over $800 we gave towards them, and th I thought that was awesome. So we could celebrate that, you guys. Yeah, we raised some money. We gave them over 800 bucks uh, to, to help them, and I got to FaceTime with with Jeff, and uh, he just showed me his house, and, you know, his house, I don't know if I mentioned, is had like two feet of water, so about four feet high, they just ripped the whole layer of drywall and everything in that first floor, kitchen, sofa, everything was just in the front yard. They had to rip it all out, and he was there. He told me some pretty dramatic stories about, you know, the day after the hurricane. He had evacuated, and the day after the hurricane, he showed up. The only way he could get down his street was on a boat, and as he was on this boat, he was able to rescue 26 of his neighbors on this boat, able to grab them out of their houses and, and bring them back to safety. Um, and when he we were actually FaceTiming, he was in the middle of gutting his neighbor's house, who was a single mom that hadn't been able to come back to her home. She had evacuated in over three weeks, and she had three kids, and it was her first time back, and so mold and all this stuff had set in, and he was there gutting her, his neighbor's house to help help them. And so uh, it, it, was, it was very touching to see all the footage and just see, you know, live everything that was going on, but he was so grateful for, for our generosity, and so I wanted to say on his behalf, thank you, and, and since I'm bragging on people and bragging on you, I want to brag on some other people. I didn't get a chance, uh, and I want to now, that, you know, for Hurricane Irma, and we were all bearing down and, you know, putting everything up and all that stuff, um, there were several people here at our church that really stepped up and helped us get ready for our facility, lock our facility down. And I, I just want to take a moment to recognize them here at our church because I think it's worthy. You know, they, they were had their own stuff to worry about, and they still stepped up and, and helped us. And so I want to mention Nick in the back. Nick, would you wave your hand? Nick was instrumental, big time helping us. And, and then um, also Jim Bizzip in the back there, Jim and his son Joel showed up um, and had the tools and the stuff, man, we couldn't have done it without you guys, and also um, Frank, he's not here right now, but Frank, you guys, we were, 
we were not prepared for Hurricane Irma here at our church. We did not have any of the necessary things, and, and Nick went out, got sandbags, and we had to get plywood. And where do you find plywood? It was crazy. I know you guys know. You were there. And we were trying to find plywood. It was miraculous. We were able to find all the stuff we needed at the very last moment. And Frank was very in, uh, in instrumental in, in running around and grabbing Frank Tilton. So if you guys see him, say thank you to him because uh, he's missing today. But he was very instrumental in being able to grab stuff, bring it here. We put it in the church. And then uh, Jim and Joel were, were able to help us load. And, and, and no, it was awesome. But I was so happy. And so if you're here, you're like, well, I didn't know you guys needed help. I'm so glad you asked. Uh, on that Connect card that, that uh, Nick mentioned earlier, in case you do want to help, uh, that Connect card, you can just simply write on the back where it says prayer request. Just write the four letters. Let me see if I got it right. H-E-L, yes, P, four letters, help. Just write help on the back of that Connect card, and we'll get a little team together, and we'll talk about, we're going to be a lot more prepared. We're not done with hurricane season yet. And so we're going to be a lot more prepared for the next one that comes. What are we going to do 24 hours beforehand, 48 hours, 72 hours? We're going to be a lot more better organized so we have all the necessary tools and supplies and everything that we need. So, you know, so if you guys want to help with that, just write help on it and, and we'll get a, we'll have uh, some information. We'll be able to get out to you later about that. But uh, I know I've been also hearing about folks that, what are we going to do for Puerto Rico? And, and so that's next. We're going to help Puerto Rico next, but we're right now, we're going to, this week, we're going to focus on trying to help the folks in the Keys. And so uh, there is a vineyard. We, we are part of a Doral, we are Doral Vineyard, and there's vineyard churches all over the nation, all over the world, about 3,000, uh, 300 in the U.S., and about more, the rest of that, do the math, 2,700 over the world. And um, there is a vineyard in the Keys. There's one in Big Pine Key. And so we're, uh, we're going to go down there in the next few days. And so if you're able to help, as Nick mentioned, there's going to be a meeting briefly right after our service in the youth space. You can just come and we'll hammer out details of when we're going, what to bring. We also sent an email. So if anybody did bring any supplies to take down there, thank you very much for all of you guys who did bring gloves or electric saw. It was in the email. Wh whatever you guys, machetes, whatever you guys brought, it was great. It's great. Thank you. We'll, we'll make sure to collect all that and take it with us down there as well. But but we're praying for everything that's happening. I know I have family in Puerto Rico and I know there's others in the Turks and Caicos and Dominica and, and different areas that have been affected. And so we're, we're praying for everything that's going on. Uh, matter of fact, why don't we pray right now for them? Father, we just lift up uh, the people of these islands in the Caribbean and even in the people in Mexico who suffered this earthquake, uh, several earthquakes. And I, I just keep thinking of that school and the chill. God, I just pray right now for your mercy. For your mercy, God, and let's pray, Lord. We pray and come together and ask for your grace to be upon these islands and upon these countries that have been suffering from the devastation of earthquakes and hurricanes and, and, and things. God, we pray for your mercy and your grace and for, for, for leadership to rise up and organization to happen and, and the resources and the help that they need to be able to reach them, God. And Lord, would you use us would we ask the question, what is our part to play? And would you use us to affect change and help uh, to provide for the folks that need it, Lord? Thank you, because we have the resources, not like others who don't. We have the resources. We have something to give. Even in the midst of our recuperation, we have something that we can do. And so, God, I thank you for that. And, and I pray that you would spare the lives, God. Have mercy on the countries of Cuba as well that has suffered as well, Lord. We pray for these islands, God. And, this, and, and, and these countries in the world, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. And since I'm bragging on folks, let me keep going. 
just yesterday, in case you don't know, just yesterday, last week, we talked about how this Saturday, we're going to go help our community, help people, whoever needs it. If you're here and you need, you know, help, let us know, and, and we'll go to your house and cut branches, pick up whatever we got to do. And so we were, we were out in the, trying to find who needs help and how we could just come on Saturday. And so people showed up on Saturday. And, um, and we actually were able to partner with the Red Cross, and we were able to help. We brought some food, chips, sandwiches, and other stuff, uh, bananas, and drinks, and, and we were able to help. And then we loaded up some trucks. It was awesome. And we have actually a picture of some of the folks that went with us. If you want to show it up on the big screen behind me, these are some of the folks. Uh, we're missing a few. I know Madi was there, and she's not in the picture, so Madi was there, and Berta, Berta's not here, she was in the picture, but I, I, can we celebrate those folks that also helped? I know we got to, to serve, and, and I know there's some folks here who actually we invited from the Red Cross that came, so welcome you guys that, that also came from the Red Cross, that we said, hey, we got church on Sunday, you guys aren't doing anything, come to church with us, and, and they've actually showed up, so we, we want to welcome you as well, thanks so much for coming, and so, so yeah, you guys, this is awesome. This is awesome. I'm so happy that our church is on the move. See, we, we, just, we, we don't just sit in our seats. We don't just talk about it. We do something about it. And I love that. That's the kind of church that I've been dreaming about. That's the kind of church that, that I want to be a part of. I don't know about you, but we don't just talk about being good Christians. We talk about following Jesus. We, we actually do something about, we go in to our community and actually do something about it. So I just want to thank you again for all your help and for those of you who are going to be able to help us with what we want to do. I talked to the pastor in the Keys. Uh, actually, I just saw Frank, so when he comes in, we'll, we'll clap for him as well in a little bit. Maybe he's getting coffee. I don't know. But anyway, uh, Vineyard Pastor in the Keys, and, um, and I got to talk to him, and he said, we would welcome any help and so we're, we're gonna I, i'd love to take up an offering and bring it to them and and also would love to help them as well so if you have your bibles psalm 139 if you would please open it up we're gonna look at verse 23 and 24 we're gonna jump into a brand new series today we we just wrapped up our last series that we called brave and um and we're gonna kick off a brand new series today so if you have your bibles if you don't have your bibles frequently asked question what if i don't have a bible it's all good Everything I read is going to be up on the big screen behind me. If you have your Bibles and you're like, I don't even know where Psalms is, that's all good too. Look in the table of contents. We do that here. It's good. Just check it out. Psalms 23. And so we're really excited about kicking off this brand new series that we're calling, That's Just the Way I Am. It's just the way I am. And I know I say that. A lot of us say that, right? We say, that's just the way I am. We look at our lives and we know that there are possibly some things that we do that are wrong, but we know it's wrong, but yet we do them anyway, right? We say things like, well, it is, help me out, what it is. I, I, I know that I have that issue or I, I know I have that problem, but we're just going to leave it at that because if I thought about it a little more, give it a little bit of time, I might actually feel convicted about it. I might actually change. So let me not just think, it is what it is, and I know it's wrong, but I'm okay with it. I know that, that it's just part of who I am. Just accept me for who I am. And so today, we're going to tackle one of those. There's a lot of different things that we say about ourselves, but we're going we're gonna to tackle one of those things that we actually, the Bible actually calls sin. <laughs> and so we're going to talk and see. We're actually going to spend some time on it, and I hope to accomplish during our time together with a lot of humility, a lot of humility today, is that we will have the audacity to confront 
some of these things in our lives that during our series we're going to get confronted in our face to face and that we've chosen not to give attention to. So today's topic, maybe there's some of us that are saying, well, I didn't really know that was really a problem. Well, I, and I can't blame you because I didn't really know it was a problem until it came face to face with me. And so there's Frank. Hi, Frank. Everybody give a round of Frank. We're really grateful for everything you did for us during the hurricane. So I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you again. So I, I, I hope that today you guys would, would feel uh, touched by what we talk about. I just feel compelled, y'all. I feel compelled to talk about this. And so what we're going to do over the next five weeks is we're going to look at sins, some more, more ordinary than others, um, some of them maybe not just, the, but we all try to rationalize sometimes and say, well, this is kind of just part of doing life. Not everybody, but some of us say, well, that's just part of doing life. We're going to look at, at, at what, from God's perspective, what does God say about this? So each week, what I want to do is I want to pray with you a very powerful, powerful prayer that David prayed in this scripture of Psalm, Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. So here we go. We're going to read it. I would like us to read it together aloud with great 12 o'clock almost enthusiasm. Can you believe it? Let's go. I'll say this together. Ready? Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Oh God, point out anything in my heart that shouldn't be there. I want to follow you. And so anything that would lead me astray from that everlasting, that path of everlasting life, would you point that out to me? I don't want to have anything in my life that offends you, oh God. So would you please just search me and show me? And so as I introduce this topic for our first week, I want to tell you a story that happened to me just a few weeks ago as I was getting ready uh, for Hurricane Irma. I woke up before 5, five o'clock in the morning to get gas. And so I jumped in my car and, and um, was surprised to see that people had already beaten me to it. There was lines everywhere all around the gas stations close to where I live. And I thought, well, I'll just get in line because that's what we do. It is what it is. I'll just get in line. So I got in line and I'm there an hour waiting for my turn at the gas pump. And all of a sudden, there's this big SUV that comes from the opposite direction. Now, mind you, I'm pretty far from the gas station, <coughs> okay? And I can see the gas station way off yonder. And it just seems like the sun is shining and the birds are chirping. And it looks like such a nice, I wish I could get there, you know? And I'm waiting there for an hour. And this big SUV comes in the opposite direction and makes this big U-turn right illegal by the way in front of me and stops traffic so i'm in a line of cars and there's another lane that's going this way and he just gets right in the middle and stops all this traffic and he cuts in front of me cuts in front of me and i'm like so i have a decision do i let him go or do i keep him blocked off and all that traffic keeps getting backed up backed up backed up and so what do you guys think i did I blocked him. No, I did. I let him in. I, le I wanted to. I wanted to block him off, everything inside of me. And I know you guys would never have thought that or done that, right? Way more spiritual than I am. Sometimes I wonder why I'm even up here because you guys are way more, you guys would have had breathing exercises and a lot more spiritual than I am. But I was very frustrated, very angry even. And I, I know not many of you would have been, but I was. And there would have been, 
you know, you guys would have been sitting patiently, but not me. On the other hand, I got very angry, I got very frustrated, and I couldn't believe I wanted to get out of my car and settle the score with this person and teach them, there's a rule, there's a line here, you just cut in front of me. So as we were waiting there for another hour, I was, you know, trying to calm down. And as we got closer to the gas station, guess what happened? They ran out of gas. And so him or I were able to get gas. So we just went and looked for other gas stations. Not together, mind you. I was not following him. But I, I looked for other gas, and I found another line, and I got behind that. And I was there for another two hours, right? And in between those two hours, uh, another car jumps in front of, not me, but the car in front of me. And so you can just imagine how I felt. And I was thinking, this is an injustice. And so that's what I want to talk to you today. The sin of injustice. I want to talk to you about that. It made me think about how the Bible talks about injustice, biblical injustice. In my mind, this is the way I would define it. It's when we, with our, with our own habits and practices, we perpetrate as human beings and human systems, we devalue others made in the image of God. See, when the Bible talks about injustice, it is referencing a very specific kind of sin. And that's what I want to talk about today, the sin of injustice. Injustice is the abuse of power to take from others the good things that God intends for them, for their life, for their dignity, and the fruits of their love and their labor. Let me read it one more time. Injustice is the abuse of power to take from others good things that God intends for them, their life, their dignity and the fruits of their love and their labor. The book of Ecclesiastes says it this way. It's very simple, but it's a painful picture of injustice. And it says, again, I looked and saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. And I saw the tears of the oppressed. And they have no comforter. Power was on the side of the oppressors. And they have no comforter. This is the biblical picture of injustice. This is the picture of someone who has power oppressing someone who does not. This is someone who has taken from others that have not. We see this in the story of King David. We talked about this a few weeks ago. I don't know if you remember. I gave you this Hebrew phrase. Anybody remember? Because it'll just warm my heart if I have any nerds in the house. If you remember what I said from those three, those two, well, those three Hebrew words. Anybody remember? Just yell it out if you know. Nobody remembers, and I'm offended right now. I'm done. All right, I'm going to tell you the story of David, all right? David, in this story, remember, he was supposed to be in the springtime when, when kings go off to war. He didn't go to war. He stayed back, and he was on his rooftop, and just a couple rooftops away, he sees a naked lady named Bathsheba, just a few rooftops away, and he says, I want her. And so he grabs his soldiers, boys, and he says, go get her because I am king, I have power, and I can take her to be whatever I want. And he rapes her, and then he kills her husband. And, and, and so he's totally oblivious that that was wrong, the sin of injustice. He totally was oblivious, and so this prophet named Nathan comes to him, and he says in, the three, in those three Hebrew words, Ata ha'ish, and he says, you're the one. He tells him this story about this shepherd, and he says, you are the, 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 the one that abused your power. Anyway, I'm so hurt you didn't remember that. I'm going to be okay. Pray for me. Now, we could say that that was a long time ago, that it really doesn't apply today. That doesn't really happen, this sin of injustice. It really doesn't happen. Or we say things like, well, this sin of injustice, 
uh, it, it's, it's not as, you know, it just, it, it happens, but you know, maybe it's because it has to. There's no other way to get around it, right? Don't we say something, maybe, maybe you don't, but I, I've heard folks say, right, that, that it's just something, it just kind of happens. Now, my, my, my experience and, and time spent with different organizations around the world, um, some local, some global, I call it local, Global and local, kind of a cute word. But, but anyways, my, 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 my experience with some of these organizations, such as, um, such as World Relief in Miami, for example. It's one that's helping, um, in the, in the helping with people who are or just helping anybody, actually, who needs help in different countries and also in the city. The, the World Relief of Miami. Other organizations that help the persecuted churches around the world, like Voice of the Martyrs, and ones that help children, like Compassion, all over the world. Nick mentioned Convoy of Hope. We partner with Convoy of Hope. We do things with them. They mentioned they go to disaster relief areas and, and help. Um, also, uh, Red Cross, we, meant we, we talked about them a little earlier. Preemptive Love, you may have heard of this. This is an organization in Iraq who helps children with heart conditions, medical needs, rescue.org, Doctors Without Borders. Have you heard of any of these? World Vision. Heard, okay, Save the Children, also International Justice Mission, IJM, is one of these that, that commonly known and that help folks that are suffering from injustice. And so the sin of injustice, these things, these organizations have convinced me that it still exists today, and especially something like the issue of slavery. And there are some sins that the world today, everybody would agree that's always wrong. Murder, always wrong. Uh, you know, rape, always stealing, always wrong. But injustice, it's hard to define sometimes by the way we see it. But biblical injustice for us who are followers of Jesus cannot be ignored. In some cultures the, around the world, they, they just kind of say, well, you know, uh, we don't like it, but there's really nothing else we can really do about it. It's just kind of accepted as it is. And even in our own culture, if we look back at our past U.S. history, we see folks like George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and Robert E. Lee who had slaves. And though they were highly touted and respectable figures in our history, they saw it as necessary in their culture as well. Now, even though they thought it was necessary, it doesn't mean that it was okay. Can somebody say yes? Okay, so the truth is that what we read in the book of Ecclesiastes, guess what? It's not that far off. Today, it still rings true today. It is still very evident. And what we read in the story of David, it is still very current today. Now, what's curious to me is that, is that everybody would agree that it's always wrong. It's always wrong. It's all, yet, I don't think we realize how prevalent it is in our world. And I don't think we realize that we should not stand for it. Can somebody say yes? Injustice like slavery happens with unfortunate regularity in our world and even in our country today. Let me tell you, in our country today, and I would even say in our city today, and I'll tell you about it. Let me read some statistics for you. According to the Walk Free Foundation, there are over 45 million people in the world who live as slaves. Can everybody say 45 million? You didn't say it very loud. Can you say it louder? All right, that's what I like. To put this into perspective, 45 million, what does that look like? 45 million is a greater population than 158 countries around the world. 45 million is more slaves than the combined records of, of slaves that were trafficked during the 400 years of the transatlantic slave trade. 45 million people enslaved today is more than any other time in history. Now, how is this possible? How is it possible that 45 million people could be living in the yoke of slavery and we don't even know it? 
How is this possible that there are many people out there that are saying, what well, hasn't slavery ended? Are you saying it still exists? Isn't slavery something from like our history books? I can assure you slavery still exists. For example, did you know that even here in our county, Miami-Dade County, just in our backyard right here, I- I'm talking about this city, slavery still exists. There is slave labor for children. There is slave labor for people from Asian countries who are promised things, but when they arrive, they are forced into things that they did not agree with initially. Ugly things. I'm not just talking about work, sweat equity. I'm talking about ugly things. There is slave labor for prostitution. Just this year, there was a guy named Agustin Mendez Vasquez. He got sent, this, this year, he got sentenced for six years in prison because he pled guilty to slavery in here, in, in Homestead. Even though we know it's wrong, you guys, this exists. And it exists in our culture and around the world. And let me tell you, about a story about a young man named Kumar. Would you watch this video that's coming up behind me? if that thing could work, huh? (laughs) I'll tell you the story if we can't see it. I'm going to tell you the story. Seven-year-old, orphaned. There he is, alone. The only family you know he he has actually died. And he was sold off to a brick kiln owner, a harsh man who yells at him and ignores him and who forces him to wake up before the sun even even rises and joins dozens of adults a lot older, almost twice as old as him. And they force him into molding and hauling and stacking heavy clay bricks. And so imagine that's you, Kumar. You're, You're terrified. You're confused. You don't have your mom or your dad. Mom died. Dad walked out. And so you're, you don't know, you're, you're a slave because you're only a child. You don't even know what the word slavery is. And, and yet this is Kumar's life. And the story, it's shared by millions of other children and families across the country of actually India and the developing world today. Month after month after month, forced labor left Kumar's tiny hands scarred and raw. Kumar wanted desperately to be in school, to make friends, to play, to feel love, to be a boy, He wouldn't even think about the future, the video would tell you. He said he was literally afraid to think about the future. He said he he never did. There was was only this work that he had before me and harsh fists of his owners to keep him from moving. And I I wish I could stand up here and tell you that this is just one story, that Kumar is just one person that this happens to, but the truth is he is not. And the reality is that slavery is pervasive and violent across the world and particularly in India. Enslaved women fear being gang-raped by their owner's henchmen. Brutal violence is used to create fear and prevent escape. One victim's arms, I read, was doused with kerosene and lit on fire for escaping. A mother's stomach was was stomped on when she tried to to stop one henchman from beating her two-year-old daughter. Entire villages are often promised a job several states away. But when they arrive, they are enslaved in a community with no connections and where they don't don't even speak the local language. They tell us that they've been beaten, shocked with electrical wires, tied up in cow sheds, treated as less than human. Kumar 
is just one of what is estimated to nearly be 12 million slaves in India alone. And just to be clear, one-third of the world's slaves are estimated to live in India. 12 million people who are made in God's image have been reduced to a thing, a non-person, a, a slave. That's Kumar. So what do you do with this information? How do we respond to Kumar's reality and the reality of millions of others? How do we respond to such injustice, the sin of injustice? The very best place to start would be to ask the question, well, how does God feel about this? And as it turns out, the, es the, the answer to this question is, is pretty straightforward. One place we could go to find the answer is in the Bible in Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 20. And this is the very point at which Jesus transitions from private life to public ministry. And it's a crucial moment where Jesus decides to signal what his ministry, what the kingdom of God on earth will be about. And it reads almost like a scene from a movie script. It reads like this, verse 14, Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee. And a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought, brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and, as was his custom. And he stood up and he read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me he has to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. So in this synagogue, Jesus, he does what history counts as one of the most all-star moves of all time, all right? He, he announces who he's not. He announces who he is not by sending out, not by sending out a, 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 a press release or, or a mass email to people, but rather by standing up and reading from the scroll of Isaiah and not just any passage. He chooses a reading that foretells who he is. This was Jesus announcing via the sacred words of Isaiah's prophecy that the Messiah was standing in front of them all, that these words of promise were realized in him to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, to recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free. One way this passage has been understood is that Jesus' mission was about freeing us from sin, and it is. He brings good news to those of us who are poor in spirit, and it's true. He proclaims freedom to us who are held captive to sin. Yes, he does. He heals us who are blinded by our sin. He sets us free from the oppression that sin causes in our lives. Freedom. Freedom from shame. Freedom from alcohol. Freedom from eating disorders. Freedom from low self-esteem. Freedom from past trauma. This is so true. That's what he does. This is Jesus. And it's good news for all of us. But if we stop there, 
if we stop there, we miss out on the deeper truth that Jesus is proclaiming. Jesus is declaring as the prophet, as the priest, as the king. He's saying as the Messiah whose mission is not just to rescue people from spiritual bondage, not just to offer spiritual freedom, but Jesus is declaring the very, very good news that he's offering freedom to all, from all that seek to imprison those he loves. And this proclamation of Jesus extends to all of us today and even to this young man named Kumar, those physically imprisoned by other people. And that's why I can tell you that Kumar is no longer suffering. See, the first part of the video was just telling you about his life and how he lived, and it's like the secret footage of, of, of um, undercover people recording what he was doing, and, and, and you see the, them carrying, it's pretty impressive. And so, but there's a second part, do we got it? No go. Okay, so we're not going to show you that part. But Kumar gets rescued, and it's an amazing, amazing um, um, section of this video. It's amazing where he gets rescued, and he remembers this day of rescue as a quick, life-changing turn of events. But the reality is that there was organizations partnering for months and months and months, carefully planning with the local police, investigating atrocities happening within the kiln. And together with these organizations and local authorities, they infiltrated the kiln and, and they documented legal evidence and brought Kumar and the other slaves to freedom. And a boy once terrified to think about his future suddenly had his chance. Counselors stayed with him, the team of people by his side and promised him over and over that he was finally saved. It was hard for him to believe at first. But then he, he believed it, that this was real. And as the good news sunk in, Kumar overjoyed. He was overjoyed. And, and this is what he's quoted as saying. When I heard that somebody's going to release me from here, I felt very happy. I was happy I no longer needed to suffer, that my life was about to change. And since that turning point, everything has changed for this young boy named Kumar. Today, Kumar is thriving in his freedom. He's a deep thinker, a fantastic dancer, and a college student. In fact, he even joined the different organizations, one of them called Inju International Justice Mission, the team there in Bangalore, fighting to bring freedom to people enslaved just like he was. And Kumar is now a follower of Jesus. Can somebody say yay? You see, the first link in the redemptive chain, yeah, we could celebrate that, that's good. Yes, yes. The first link in the redemptive chain of salvation for Kumar, it was, it was his physical freedom from captivity. Now he has experienced physical freedom and spiritual freedom in Jesus Christ. And that's a good thing. This is good news. Let's celebrate one more time that this young man who represents millions of others. There is freedom from oppression because of the work of God's people following in Jesus' footsteps of what he did. Kumar's story of rescue, I wish it was only one, but he's not. He's a picture of many. It seems like just a drop in the bucket, but I assure you it isn't because the scope of what these organizations are partnering to do, you guys together, is growing every single day. And I'm here to tell you that God is on the move. He's on the move, and this is good news, you guys, that people like Kumar are being set free as individuals who have been rescued from slavery, but also whole cities, in fact, whole countries. There's a city called Cebu in the Philippines. Is anybody here from the Philippines? I think we have someone here from the Philippines, right? Frank, your wife, right, is from the Philippines. That's right. Cebu was initiated to combat. There was this organization that was initiated. Different organizations came together to combat sex trafficking of minors. And after five years of comprehensively just 
fighting this, working together with all the stakeholders in the public justice system, independent auditors confirmed that 79% reduction in the number of minors in sex trafficking. Can somebody say yay? You guys, this is massive. 79% reduction. The Filipino government then decided to scale this strategy from Cebu to other metropolitan areas. And by the grace of God, in the span of just a decade or two, we may see the near eradication of sex trafficking of minors in the Philippines. Can somebody say yes? That's a huge thing. In the country of Cambodia, a country that used to be considered ground zero for pedophiles and sex tourists, 15 years of collaboration between the Cambodian leaders, police courts, um, police courts, social services, and NGO communities. They've made a dramatic change for Cambodia's children. And in 2015, a, a study called the Prevalence Study that was conducted found that the prevalence of young minors in the largest commercial sex markets in the country, once estimated to be between 15 and 30%, have been virgi virtually eradicated to less than one-tenth of one percent, from 15 to 30 to less than one-tenth of one percent. There's certainly other challenges in Cambodia that need to be addressed and also in the Philippines, but you guys, we should just pause for a moment and say, wow. Can everybody say, wow? wow. And acknowledge that thousands of people, thousands of women, of children, are no longer being subjected to sex trafficking. No longer will they be abused in the first place. And let's let, let this miraculous truth sink in, in our hearts and let this, this miraculous truth bring us closer to saying something that, they, that, that we want to do something about ending slavery because we can end slavery in our lifetime. The sin of injustice from the perspective of the mission of Jesus, this is precisely what happens when the church stands up to the call that Jesus issued in Luke chapter 4. It's a call not just for himself. It's a call for all of us. It's a call to go for the lost sheep, for the wounded lambs that have been kicked to the curb and forgotten, the ones that have been marginalized. This is a central part of the biblical narrative of history in the Bible. For example, in the book of Exodus, chapter 3, God hears the cry of the Israelites. And what does he do? He raises up a guy named Moses to confront the most powerful empire in the known world at that time until the Israelites are finally set free. In the 1700s, God hears the cry of those enslaved in the British Empire, and he raises up, he hears the cry of, of those, and he raises up a guy by the name of William Wilberforce. And he introduces this bill tenaciously for 16 years in a row in Parliament to end slavery. And finally, the bill is passed and slavery comes to an end in the British Empire. In the 1800s, God hears the cry of those enslaved in the U.S. and he calls Harriet Tubman to mobilize a vast network of churches and safe houses to create safe passage to freedom. And God inspired President Abraham Lincoln, despite tremendous po political challenge, to use his position and influence to bring an end to slavery in the United States. And even now, God is using different organizations all around the world, all around the globe, and locally, globally, to bring freedom for boys like Kumar and other boys that, and, and women and girls in, in the fishing industry in Ghana, here locally in the city of Miami, in, in the brothels in Mumbai for thousands of people every year. And I want to issue a very specific challenge to all of us today. 
I want to challenge us as a church. See, I bragged on you guys at the beginning. Because I know we're not just a church that hears and talks, but we actually do something about it. And I want to challenge us to join Jesus on this bold mission in the fight against the sin of injustice until every one is free. And we can be a part of the solution. We can be. We can be a part of this miraculous transformation. We can be witnesses of the kingdom of God coming up and shattering the darkness. And I want to invite every one of us here today to join this movement of community of believers seeking to end slavery by serving and getting involved in these organizations, either by serving these organizations, by giving to these organizations, or by praying and asking God to rescue and provide restoration to those trapped in slavery. I want to encourage to pray and walk, pray and do with these organizations as, and just walk with them as close friends and hearing and praying for their most urgent needs and saying, what can I do? And seeing how can I be a part. And as we, we form a united body, a team of believers, we will raise up a voice that would advocate for, for key legislation that seeks to end slavery. What I want you to do is I want you to write, if you want to do this, if you want to take this challenge, take, that, take out that Connect card we mentioned earlier. We do a lot with our Connect card here at DV. <laughs> take out that Connect card that I mentioned earlier. And on the back side where it talks about prayers, comments, requests, write slave. It's going to come up on the big screen to help you out right there. And there it is right there. Write that on your Connect card. And drop it in the baskets, in the boxes as they come up a little later on in the, in the service. Drop that in there and we'll give you information so that you can do something about it and you can be a part of this. I want to tell you that the story of Kumar is the story of one person. But there are still over 45 million people. You just heard me say, <laughs> you just heard me say it that there was over 45 million people who are just like him, but they are st they're still enslaved. Many of them, like Kumar, they're young children. Young children, and they, they, they too, they want to play. They want to be with their parents, and they just, they just want to have fun. They want to study, but they can't. They can't because they're owned by another human being. And like Kumar, when they're sick, they don't find the compassionate hands of a parent loving them and stroking them. What they find is the fists of, of, of owners who are beating them. And they don't even know that there is on the other side of the world. They don't even know that there's, uh, there exists hope. They don't even know that. They don't even know that on the other side of the world, there's, there, are, there are some people who are living with hope, who are not being enslaved like them. They don't even know that they can be rescued. They don't even know this, you see. And if you, are, if you were a slave and you have never imagined a life beyond the life you've known, you can't even imagine that there is another life that's different. You can't even imagine. I, I, I kind of uh, I could sympathize a little bit because you know I grew up in the inner city. And I never knew life outside of the inner city. When, st when things started, started getting you know, exposed, I started understanding what life was like, green grass and not cement. I'm like, whoa, that's the promised land. It was kind of like when I was in the line. Of the and I'm looking at the gas station and the birds are chirping. If only I could get there. See, if you're a slave and you never see that, you never know about another side. You never know about another world of people who have hope, who have resources. You never know that there's another side of people who actually live in freedom they live in freedom every single day 
and we have the resources that are beyond anything that a slave could ever dream as possible. And if they knew that such a person existed and that such a power and resources were in a person's possession and that the person was a disciple of Jesus, the one who used all of his power and all of his might in his life, he gave his life for this, to set others free. If he only knew, then these children would know that there is, high, there is hope for them. They would have reason to hope if Kumar, while he was still a slave, heard that a person like you existed. A person like you that has hope, that has re- he might actually dare to hope. Jesus has called us to be like him, to be people of love and compassion. Can somebody say yes? yes. To be people who use power and resources to set others free. Can somebody say yes? All right, today we have a chance. We have a chance to do just that. And this is the moment. This is the moment for another Kumar. This is the moment for you to respond and to be that person that he could only dream exists. Would you bow your heads and let me pray with you? Father, thank you for your presence and for what you're doing in our lives. God, stir up the people of God that you created us to be. Stir us up to be what you created us to be. And as you're praying today, it is my honor just to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would increase the anointing of the men and the women of God in the house today. God, especially as we come off of this message series we just wrapped up called Brave, and we get involved with the part that you are bringing conviction to us about. God, I pray that the busyness of life would not draw us away from the things that are most important to you. Help us to reprioritize our lives in such a way that the things that you care about are front and center for us. And it's souls, God. It's souls. It's your people. It's your children. Getting people to experience your amazing love that will transform them forever. I pray that you would use us to set our focus and to be locked in about the different ways that we can do that. We want to see your kingdom come and to break the sin of injustice and especially when it pertains to slavery around our world and in our neighborhood. Help us to not only pray about it, but to do something about it as well. I believe that there are people who are coming to the realization. They're saying, you know what? This is my cause. This is what I want to fight for. They want to be a part of ending ending slavery in the world. God, I pray that you will use them, and by your power, you will put a hedge of protection around them to stop the attacks of the evil one. God, increase the anointing on these men and women to serve, to be spiritual people that you have called them to be to be men and women of influence, to be full of courage and integrity. God, I ask that you would use them to lead those around them to know your son Jesus, not to be caught up by the things of this world that would try to pull our attention away from your heart. Keep us from being entangled in the civilian affairs of this world. And God, help us to always be pushing forward your kingdom. And even as you're praying today, I know some of you are going to go, man, I need this. We've been praying that hopefully something in you is being stirred. Because it should be. Because as sinners, we were all created 
We're all born as sinners. We were slaves as well to sin. We all have a sin nature. Our sin separates us from a holy God. But there is something in us that wants to believe that we could be right with God. And the problem is that it's our sin. It draws us to the things of this world and we start to think all these other things, that these other things are gonna be what makes us happy and fulfilled, but they're not. It's a big, big lie. And that's what we, when God sent his son Jesus who shed his blood, he died on the cross and on the third day God raised him from the grave and he's alive, he's risen and Jesus defeated death and Jesus defeated sin. And Jesus defeated hell so that we could be set free. And now if you call on his name, scripture says that you will be saved. If you're here today and you say, I need this, I need his forgiveness. Some of you say, well, I've messed up so bad. That's okay because that only makes his grace even better. You'll be forgiven all the more. You'll be changed and you'll be different. You'll be filled with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. You're no longer of this world. You're not driven by the things that don't last. You'll be driven by the things that are eternal. You will become a spiritual being. You'll be able to talk to God and hear from God and you'll never be the same. You'll be purchased by the blood of Jesus. Your only reasonable response when you realize what he's done for you is you say, take my whole life, Jesus. Take it, take every bit of it. Jesus, would you be my Lord and Savior forever? I surrender my life to you. And most people will tell you, I want to help you find your life. I want to tell you, I want to help you do something totally different. I want to help you lose your life. Because it's only when you lose it can you find Christ and make him first in every single way. There are those of you you sense that you're being drawn to God and this is your time. You're saying, okay, not my way. I want to do it his way. I want to turn from my sin. I want to turn away from this. I want to turn from myself. I want to invite you to call in his name. Say, Jesus, save me. Be the king of kings and the Lord of lords in my life. I surrender my whole life to you. If that's your prayer today, I'm just going to invite you to lift your hand right now high. Just lift them high and lead them up. I just want to meet you eye to eye if that's you anywhere in the house today. I see that hand. God bless you. You can put your hand down. I see that hand in the back. God bless you. You can put your hand down. I see that hand up here in the front. God bless you. You can put your hand down. Anyone else? God's moving in our house. Anyone else? That say, yes, that's my prayer. Something's drawing me to God. Anyone else that says, yes, that's me. We're going to pray together. And I want to invite all of us to pray aloud with those around you and just pray this with gusto, with gusto. Pray it like you mean it. You ready? Everybody say, Heavenly Father, save me from my sins. Make me new. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. You are my king. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. And I am yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Now, with all the angels in heaven, would you celebrate with me? Would you celebrate and worship God together? Would you thank him? Would you welcome those today who now found life in Christ? Thank you, Lord. I want to congratulate them on finding life in Christ. Say, God bless you. This is the way to do it. This is good. And if you'll just... If you would just do one last thing.
There's a card in the seat pocket. We've talked about it many times called the Connect card. If you would fill it out, put your name, your email address, your phone number on that card. And at the bottom of that card, there's a little box. It says, I'm committing.